anyways, I'm really excited for this series. I'm also, I've been stressing about it all week. I'll be the first one to tell you that. I have gone back and forth, back and forth to like, oh, I don't know how to do this, to I have so many ideas, you know? You ever have those moments you're writing paper, you're like, I have no idea. You just have a brain fart. Nothing's coming out. Then you got this other extreme where you've got way too many ideas, and you're like, wow, the teacher only asked for a five-minute presentation. Um, so I'm hoping that, I've been working on it all week, so I'm hoping tonight that I'm in the time limit where you stay awake and your butt doesn't go numb. Um, but we're, this is, we're talking about Jesus' death, okay? And so if you grew up in the church, you know there's like, there's hardly a bigger topic than this one. There's hardly a more important topic than this one. Um, and so I just really ask that you'd bear with me. Also, like, just even worshiping, I've got, I got worked up and, like, almost started crying. And so I just ask that you'd bear with me. Um, but at 402, that's one of the things that you can always bank on. You can always come to 402 and anticipate us talking about Jesus. Uh, one of those reasons being Jesus is who we worship here. Jesus. We don't worship ourselves. We don't worship the ghost of Oscar P. We worship Jesus. And so whether it's noon lunch, whether it's the Pop-Tart outreach table every Thursday morning from the library, chances are Jesus is going to come up because that's who we worship here. Another thing you can always make on is we're always going to read the Bible. And so if you've got your Bibles, A++ for you. If you don't, that's okay. Everything we're going to talk about tonight is going to be up on the screens. So no, no scrambling, no flipping through the pages. Um, but we will always go through the Bible. Sometimes it'll be a story. Sometimes it'll be some commands or some advice from God. Um, sometimes it'll be in one spot. And sometimes it'll be all over the place. And so tonight, I thought we would do a little bit of all of that. <laughs> We're going to be everywhere and in one place. Um, so if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and go to John chapter 19. And for the sake of context, I'm going to catch you up on what's been going down. So like I already said... Jesus is who we worship here. Um, if you don't know who Jesus is, or you maybe have a little bit of background of who Jesus is, um, Colossians 1 is one of my favorite descriptions of who Jesus is, but it pretty much says Jesus is the perfect image of the invisible God. Like if we needed to look at God's character, then we could look at Jesus. Um, it essentially says Jesus is God. Jesus was there in the beginning. Jesus was creating everything. Okay, so Jesus was God in the flesh. Jesus was God in human form. And so when we look at John chapter 19, where we're going to be at tonight, this is, this is kind of the end. So there has been so much that happened. And if you haven't read Jesus' life, or if you haven't read the Bible, that is exactly where I tell you to start, is reading about Jesus' life here on earth. But it started with, you know, him being born from a virgin, Mary, we know Christmas, yay, Santa, no, like, but Jesus was born from a virgin, which was a prophecy about him. He fulfilled that, and he grew up, and he ended up teaching a lot. He taught individuals. He taught crowds of people, um, but his main focus was his posse of 12, his disciples or his students, and he really invested in them. He, like, showed them everything down to the way he prayed, which we all know is, like, really intimate, um, and so Jesus really taught them everything about himself. And they wrote it down. And so that's one of the ways we get the Bible is from firsthand witnesses who wrote down Jesus' life. What he didn't just teach, though, he did these crazy things, these miracles. He healed people who had never walked before, people who had never saw, like they had been blind their whole life. He even raised people from the dead, which is really important in this series because next week we're going to talk about how Jesus raised from the dead. 
Don't forget that. As we talk through tonight, that's what I want you to keep in your pocket, is that Jesus does come back from the dead. But in John chapter 19, everything has kind of hit the fan. So Jesus has been gathering this following. He's been teaching about God. And the religious people of the day were really offended. Like, that's the word I'd like to use. And so offended that they gathered the Roman government. They got the Romans involved. Even though this was kind of a Jewish drama, they invited the Romans into it. And one of the things that they accused him of, among many things, is blasphemy. Blasphemy, per Google, is to use God sacrilegiously. So to use God's name sacrilegiously, um, to use God's covenant things sacrilegiously. And so they're accusing Jesus of using God's name in vain. They're, they're accusing Jesus because Jesus healed people and he didn't do it in the name of God. He also claimed to be the son of God, which was like a huge, like, like imagine, like, imagine if Guyler, you know, guy, like the guy we all love, Guyler, who does these announcements every, if he walked in the D hall and was like, I am the son of God. Like, I'm pretty sure, like, at least Paradigm would be like, ah. I hope y'all would be like, ah. Like, okay, but if, like, Guyler was like, I am God, like, I hope we'd all have an issue with it. But the truth is that Jesus was the Son of God, and he had all of the proof to back it up. But they just really weren't accepting of it. And at this point, um, they had already made up their mind to crucify Jesus, okay? Um, and that's, that's where we pick up John chapter 19. Verse 16, it says, So he delivered him over to be crucified. And the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is Golgotha, just like in another language. There they crucified him with two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. I know many of you are like, old news, okay, I get it. But Jesus died on a cross that was... That's the crucifixion. Literally, he died on two wooden stakes. They nailed him in there. And at this point, that was not the only thing that was going on. Jesus had just been flogged, which is like a really bad torture. Um, it was kind of, especially before court, it was like, let me flog you so you just say whatever. Like, you know, it's, it's very against the law now in America to torture people before they go to court. Um, but Jesus was tortured, and then he was presented then they crucified him. And so at this point, he's mostly, he's lost most of his blood already, okay? He's nailed, it's very public. It's like on, you'll, you'll see in a minute. So it says, um, I'll just keep reading. 19 says, Pilate, who's a government official, had a notice prepared, fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign. For the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. So just to get the point across, anyone who could speak any language could read that this was Jesus of Nazareth, king of the Jews. The chief priests of the Jews protested. They said, do not write the king of the Jews, because that man has only claimed to be king of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I've written, I've written. It's pretty much the Jews don't want anything to do with him. They're like, please don't. Don't associate him with us. Uh, but, but the Romans... They thought otherwise. And near the cross, oh, so when, the, when the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, so they stripped him, talk about really humiliating, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them with the undergarment remaining. 
This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. They said, let's not tear it. They said to one another, let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled that said they divided my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. So this is what the soldiers did. Okay, so we see at this point, Jesus hanging on a cross. They're mocking him. They labeled him king of the Jews. The Jews hate that. They're like, we don't want to be associated with this man. Think about all of this in front of you as you die. People are like, ugh, don't put my name on him. Gross. Okay, they stripped him down, and then they're gambling for his clothes. Like, you can't breathe. You're bleeding to death. People are below you gambling for your clothes, okay? And this is, this is the part that always gets me. In 25, it says, Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said, Woman, here's your son, and to the disciple, here's your mother. And from that time on, the disciple took her into his home. And so as he died on the cross, he looked and he saw his mom, and she was about to be left alone. Um, And he looked at his best friend, and he said, you have to take care of my mom. And he looked at his mom, and he's like, he'll take care of you. Um, You want to talk about ranging your death in, in a matter of minutes. And so Jesus is making sure his mom is taken care of. In verse 28 says, later, knowing that everything had now been finished so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I'm thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, and they soaked it in a sponge and put the sponge on a stalk of hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received that drink, Jesus said, it is finished, and bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now it was the day of preparation. The next day was to be a special Sabbath because the Jewish leaders did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath. They asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus, found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony, his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth. So the writer, he's saying, I tell the truth, and I testify so that you may believe. These things happen so that scripture will be fulfilled, not one of his bones will be broken, and as another scripture says, they will look on the one they have pierced. Okay. Honestly, you can't even smile at y'all reading this, right? Like, you didn't come to 402 to, like, hear the worst story in history, um, but it's, it's, this moment is history. Like, it is easily at least in the top two historical things that have ever happened. And it's at face value, it's a tragedy. Um, and I think we all know that. We've all been to some sort of church service where it was just like doom, gloom, no hope. But remember, I told you at the beginning to keep in your pocket that Jesus did come back from the dead. Okay, but he died first, and we can't avoid that truth, okay? Several things happen at this moment in history, and those are the things that I want to look at tonight. Is it all the things we can pull out of Scripture? No. We could talk about this chapter of Scripture for 100 402s, and guys, we will, just so you know. We're going to talk about this every 402, but we can, there's so much to this, and so I, I do... I ask you to do your own study of this and do read the Bible for yourself. 
but there's a couple of things that I want to point out. So just working our way backwards, this section ends with them saying, these things happen so that scripture would be fulfilled. That was verse 36, okay? These things happen so that scripture may be fulfilled. And when we read this story and when we hear about the death of Jesus, one thing that I want us to always hear is that God kept his promise. God keeps his promises. So from Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, to to Malachi, the very last book of the Old Testament. So that's the only Bible they had. At this point, they only have the Old Testament. Like we have the New Testament. We have this story about Jesus. But the Jews at the time, they only had the Old Testament, which they really just called the Bible. It's the Hebrew Bible. We call it the Old Testament. From Genesis to Malachi, there's over 300 prophecies about Jesus. Those are not the only prophecies in the Old Testament that have been fulfilled. There's over 300 specifically about Jesus. It accurately describes his virgin birth, his birth in Bethlehem, his birth from the tribe of Judah, his lineage from King David, the fact that he would be sinless, the fact that his death would atone, would cover our sins and take our punishment. It talked about how he would die and resurrect. It talked about how he would, the way he would bleed in this story, the way he would be pierced, and how his bones would not be broken. Even one of the oldest books, oldest books in the Old Testament, Job, talks all over it about the Messiah, the coming Savior, Jesus. Job, Job in verse chapter 9, he says that he longs for a, medita- a mediator, sorry, a mediator to take God's wrath for him, for somebody to stand between him and God and bridge the gap for him, to redeem him from his sins and connect him back to God. That's Job. Job uh, 19 talks about how he knows that his Redeemer lives. Like, Job, one of the oldest books, like, he didn't even, he didn't have a Bible at all. Like, Job didn't have a Bible at all, but he's talking about Jesus. And even in this chapter, this chapter in John, look at verse 24. Verse 24 says that, let's not tear it. They decide by lot who will get it. That, that section where they gamble over his clothes is accurately described in Psalms 22. Like Psalms 22 talks about how they'll gamble over his clothes. Verse 36, which is, let's see, how it said, not one of his bones will be broken and that they will look on the one they have pierced. That's in Exodus 12, Numbers 9, and Psalms 34. Guys, this is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus. It's because God was working this plan out from the beginning. As soon as we sinned, he was not okay. In fact, before we sinned, God knew this was going to happen. And he knew that his son, Jesus, would be the perfect plan. And he promised it. He promised it to Abraham. He promised it to Israel as a whole through his prophets. He promised it to Judah. Everyone. Everyone along the way, God was promising Jesus to come, and he kept his promise. God did not leave us in our sin, but he sent Jesus to save us. Even even you see this moment, Jesus is on the cross, and he's about to die. He says, I know everything's done. So he says, I'm thirsty, right? What do they do? They stick a hyssop branch to get him a drink, which you just gloss over, really, right? 
But when, when we look at Moses, the story of Moses and him delivering the Israelites out of slavery from Egypt, the last plague was death, right? Which is what sin does to us. And the last plague, the only way to avoid that death was to use a hyssop branch to paint the blood over your door. Like God has been foreshadowing. He's been, he's been talking about this. He's been promising this. And for hundreds of years, they had probably lost hope. That's probably why they didn't recognize Jesus. is because they probably had lost hope that Jesus was ever going to come. But there's this other scripture that I didn't write down, but it says God is not slow in keeping his promises. If he promises something, then he will fulfill it. And we can trust that. And whether it's like you get caught up in what you've been taught, like they had, or you get caught up in tradition, like the Jews had, or you get caught up in your plan or your expectations of what God will be and do and look like, we have to trust that God keeps his promises. And so a couple of things as I read this story and as I look at God keeping his promises, a couple of things I want us to take and I want us to live with and carry on to Tarleton's campuses is that we, we need to trust that God means what he says. Like we need to live life like God comes through and like God, that God is dependable. And some of us, we believe God is dependable, but we have no idea what he's promised. We haven't spent any time in scripture. We've avoided the Old Testament like a plague, you know? Like we've, we've avoided it like it's a textbook, the Bible. But guys, that's where God's promises to us are. His promises about Jesus then, but his promises about Jesus to come. Like his promises to us now that we still cling to. And so you can't, you can't trust in a promise you don't know. And so you have to read, you have to find out. And then the last thing I think of is we can't get caught up in our expectations of God. I kind of imagine that the Jews had this picture of what Jesus would look like. I, mean, I don't know. I guess they thought he'd have a crown and that he'd glow a little. You know, that's kind of what I think. Like Jesus would glow. I don't know why. He's not a glow stick. But um, I, think, I think we get this picture in our head that Jesus talks a certain way. That his voice is a deeper octave, you know, like I would hear God's voice. Like we get these expectations of God, like God would never ask me to do that. Like God would never ask me to do this. Like we get these, this picture of God that isn't God at all. And if I can be honest with you guys, is if you haven't read the Bible, and if you haven't spent time in God's word, then you don't know what God looks like and what his character is. Because that's, where, that's how we know is from God's word. And so that's, that's one thing that I want to look at, is God keeps his promises. He came through. He did the hard thing because he said he would. Secondly, is Jesus died, but he didn't just die any death. He died our death. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We talk about this almost every 402. You should memorize that scripture because then you can take my job. Um, but we... We talk about this all the time because the wages of sin is death, right? The cost of sin is death. The result of sin is death. Like when you sin, you deserve death. I don't know how many different ways you could say it. I think we get that. But what I think we don't get is sin. I don't think we understand what sin is. And let me just give you a few examples. Not that, I mean, you're like, no, I don't want any. Um, Sin is defined as anything against God. And since God is good, sin will always be bad. Even if we think it's good, but it goes against God, then it's bad. 
Because God is good. God is the source of good. And so you're like, yes, I went to VBS. I know the Ten Commandments, right? Sin is breaking the Ten Commandments. So don't murder. I don't even know. Don't lie. Uh, Honor your parents. Don't envy. Don't sleep with somebody else's wife. I get it. I know that breaking a Ten Commandment is bad. When Jesus shows up, Jesus says, yes, don't break the Ten Commandments. But then he says, I want to take it to a new level. And in Matthew 5, 28, he says that if I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And he goes on and he says, okay, maybe you haven't murdered somebody. Good. Go, go you for not being a serial killer. But then he says, but if you've hated somebody, if you've held on to hate for somebody, if you've not forgiven somebody, then you might as well have killed them. Like Jesus says, it's not even, it doesn't even, like it doesn't even start your actions. It starts in your heart. And God is the one who sees what is unseen. And so maybe we haven't just outright broke the Ten Commandments, but maybe we have in our heart. In addition, um, maybe we don't just deliberately disobey God, but we don't uh, do what we know we're supposed to do, right? James 4.17 says, If anyone who knows the right thing to do and fails, it is also a sin, right? And so maybe, maybe we don't do bad things, but we don't do good things either. We, don't, we know we should share the gospel with our parents. We know we should give money to the church. We know we should go to class. But we don't, right? We disobey God in this, just like as if, we, as if we did something outright that we weren't supposed to do. Sometimes we just don't do something we were outright supposed to do. And that's also a sin, okay? But if I can be honest with you guys, it really doesn't matter what command you broke. It matters who you did it against, okay? So let me give you an example. Say, let me just look. McCartney, <laughs> thank you for sitting there. Uh, McCartney and Renata, they're roommates, right? They're, they're best friends. If, if McCartney sinned against Renata, say she lied to her. She said, I did not eat your Pringles, and she ate her Pringles, okay? I, I, don't, I don't know if this is a true story, so please don't get mad at each other. Uh, if she lies to her, right, that's going to hurt Renata's feelings. And she's going to hold a grudge probably and maybe a silent treatment, maybe cry a little, okay? But they'll, they'll bounce back. They'll be okay. They'll suck it up. They'll love each other, hug it, get over it. If Trenton lies to me, who stood before a whole church of people, signed a government document vowing that he would never lie to me, if he lied to me, I think it's a bigger deal, right? Because my roommate has a little more responsibility since we're married, right? Okay? So it's pretty bad. So he may get like a longer silent treatment. I don't know. He's like, no, you wouldn't. <laughs> you need me. Um, and, and it matters in who it's against. So say, say it's not me. I'm, I'm not that important. But say it's President Joe Biden. So you go to the White House and the president's like, thank you, you God-fearing American. Tell me, da 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 da, da and you lie just like McCartney lied to Renata. That in itself is treason. Google definition, treason. You betrayed your country and you lied to the chief, the commander in chief. And the highest punishment for that is death. Right? 
I know some of you are like, oh God, I'd never want to see the president. What if I accidentally lie? Like, guys, because it's, it's about, like, President Biden is more important than me. Like, I mean, not in the scheme of eternity, but like he is. Like, if I got shot, I'd get a funeral. If the president gets shot, he'd get a funeral with all the presidents of the world, you know? He's just, he's more important. His job is important. When you sin against God, an almighty, all good God, way higher than any earthly leader could ever be, that's really bad. Like, the wages of lying to Joe Biden is death. Like, of course the wages of sin against God is death. Like, God, and you're like, I don't, do, I don't spit on God's name. Like, I don't, I don't sin against God. But guys, the truth is, is every sin we commit is against God. Because God created us to bear his image and to worship him. It's part of who we are. We can never be our true self until we step into that. And so when we move our life in another direction, we spit on his name. And when we sin against another person, that's even worse. God created them in his image. God loves them enough to die for. And you sinned against them. You sinned against somebody bearing God's image. Like it's always a sin against God. And so like even no matter what it is, whether it's not doing what's right or doing what's wrong, it really, it really doesn't matter. It's about who it's, who it's against. And maybe, maybe you're like, yeah, okay, I get it. Thanks, Megan. I feel great about myself now. Uh, but I'm, I'm not that bad. Like, I'm not Hitler. Like, dang, leave me alone. What James 2.10 says, for whoever keeps the whole law but fails at one point becomes guilty of it all. Guys, sin is a true or false question. It's not a short answer. You can't BS your way out of that. Sorry, I said that. You can't, you can't ramble on and convince someone that you're not a sinner. It's are you a sinner or are you not a sinner? Have you sinned against God or have you not sinned against God? And the truth is, is that we have all sinned. And any of our sin, even if it was one, which it isn't. Guys, we've all sinned many times in the last five minutes probably. You're like, Megan, please wrap it up. I'm like, guys, any of those sins deserves death. And, and that's because God is just. That's because God knows what he's doing and he doesn't allow bad things. Like God wants good things. He doesn't want bad things. And so he's just. But he's also merciful. And that's why Jesus died our death. Not because he deserved it, but because we did. Which brings me to the third, third thing I want to look at. Is Jesus defeated the power of sin. So he took our punishment, right? Like, he's, he took the bullet. He stood in the place, however you want to look at it. But he also defeated the power of sin. Matthew 16, 21 is this beautiful story where Peter, <laughs> Peter's talking to Jesus before he dies. And Jesus says, hey, he, like, pulls his friends to the side. He's like, hey, I need you to know what's coming. Because he's worried about them, Right? He says, I need you to know that I'm going to die. He said, it's okay. I'm going to come back from the dead three days later. He verbatim says that. I don't know why they forgot when it happened. But he says that to them. And Peter, 
I mean, he gets so scared. I mean, like, like any of us would. Like if any of you looked at me and you said, I'm going to die, I would get scared and then have to fill out a report on you. Like, like we, it, he got scared and then he, he said, no, Jesus, I would never, ever, ever let that happen to you. And Jesus says this funny thing. It's not funny, sorry. Uh, he says, get behind me, Satan. He's like, you are, you're a hindrance to me. My version says, you're being a stumbling block. You are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And so Jesus knew all along that he was going to die, and he was willing to do it. Another, another verse says, um, it says, there it is, sorry. In John 10, 18, it says, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. And I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up. This is the charge I received from my father. And so Jesus, he, he had the authority to lay his life down and the authority to take it up. And he took his own life. Like, I used to think for a long time, like, oh, like I killed Jesus. And the truth is, is yeah, if we would have never sinned, I mean, I don't know, like, what would have happened. Because that's not true. That's not the reality. Um, but the point is that Jesus willingly went because of his obedience to God. And because of his obedience to God, he freed us from sin. And that's what verse 30 says. His very last words before he came back from the dead was, it is finished. Right? It is finished and he gave up his spirit. But what was finished? His life was finished. His suffering on earth was finished. But most importantly, the battle with sin was finished. In fact, that phrase translated back into its original language means paid in full. Jesus said it is paid in full. And Jesus didn't owe anything to the Father. We did. 1 Peter 3.18, I think we just read this. Lexi did. It says, For Christ also died for sins once for all, and the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. And so Jesus, his one death covered our sins from always to always will be. Everyone's everywhere. He covered our sins. He, he traded his righteousness for our unrighteousness. He took our sin and gave us righteous, righteousness. And that's what 1 Corinthians 5.21 says. Um, for the sake of man, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. So he became sin even though he didn't know any sin. So that we might become the righteousness of God. You see, Jesus was the righteousness of God. He was perfect in every single way, and he knew no sin. He took our sin and gave us, our right, gave us righteousness. He gave us freedom from sin. Guys, some of us, we, we fall in two different camps. One of these camps is, I know I suck. I know I'm awful. I'm reminded of that every day. My mom reminds me of that. My roommates remind me of that. My grades are a reflection of that. Like, I know I'm not good at life. Like, you could, you could definitely fall in this camp. And depending on the day, we all fall in this camp one way or another. But then there's this other camp where we think, I'm okay. Like, I, I got this. Like, I mean, yeah, I struggle, but I can bounce back. I know my way around. Right? Like we fall in these two different camps. And guys, the truth is, is God punished himself so that we could quit punishing ourselves. So that he wouldn't punish us. 
Guys, if, if you fall in this camp and you, you feel like there's no hope, because of Je- what Jesus did on the cross, there is hope. Because of what Jesus did, we can be free and we can be better and we can be more. And guys, if you, if you fall into this, this other camp, where, which is usually the camp I fall in, I can do this. I'm a strong, independent woman. Like, I got this. Guys, you don't. Look at your pattern of freeing yourself from sin. Look at your stats. Like, evaluate yourself. Sit down and look at your decisions. Are you happy? Like, is there joy in that? Is there life waiting behind that? Guys, Jesus died to be with us. We don't have to do it alone. So quit. (laughs) Quit doing it alone. Which brings me to the fourth point, is that Jesus paved the way for us to follow. Um, Romans 6, 6 says, For we know that our old self was crucified in him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin. Guys, mine says that the body ruled by sin may be done away with. You see, not only did Jesus die on that cross, but he gave us the opportunity for us to die. And you're like, no, you just told me I don't have to die. Like, guys, there are parts of us that are already dead that we cling to and we force to walk. We drag behind us. Guys, Matthew 16, 24 says, And Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself or lose himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Guys, I don't mean that we die on the cross. Like, I don't mean that we need to die for our sins. Jesus did that. But we do need to let our old self go. Like, we need to identify what's dead and drop it in the grave. We need to let go of the parts of us that cling to our old life, cling to a life where we lived without Jesus, where we were on the throne, or success was on the throne, or our parents' approval was on the throne, or whatever idol that we worshipped. We have to let that person die. Because to, to whoever will save his life will lose it. Guys, we have to let it go. And so we need to be free from the death that still clings to us. And following Jesus is worth any cost. Whether it means breaking up with our boyfriend, getting help for our addiction, forgiving our parents, admitting we were wrong, changing our major, whatever it is that God asks us to do, it's far worth it. Because Jesus is the only way, the only truth, and the only life And so anything apart from Jesus, Jesus being the only life, anything apart from Jesus, that means it's dead. Like it piles up to nothing. Like it's not worth it. It may seem worth it, but God is the only thing that's worth it. And so losing everything is worth it. So we talk about, I'm going to wrap this up, I promise. Um, As we talk about death, like the wages of sin is death, guys, that, that's just, yeah, it physically, ever since sin into the world, we physically die. And it's, it's pretty sad to think about. You're like, okay, one day I'll die. It could be today. It could be tomorrow. It could be when, when we hit the average age of living in the United States, right? It could be an accident. It could be nice and our sleep. We die physically. It's scary. 
But dying spiritually, the spiritual part of us, the eternal part of us, that's so much worse. And that's what the wages of sin is. Yeah, physical death, but spiritual death. Guys, Jesus offers us life and life abundantly, life for always in eternity. Guys, I, I told you a thousand 402s couldn't paint the picture of this story that needed. Um, and as many of you know, as many, many of you know, the story doesn't end here. Jesus does come back from the dead, and it wasn't finished when Jesus um, ended his last sentence and he breathed his last because Jesus came back from the dead. And we're going to talk about that next week. But the reason why I wanted to, to talk about this with y'all this week and next week um, is, of course, because Easter's coming. Why not, right? Easter, we celebrate Jesus' resurrection from the grave. Um, but also because this is the gospel. The gospel meaning good news. There is no other good news. There is no other gospel from this. And the truth is, is that Jesus, this Jesus, the Son of God, he died for our sins when we didn't deserve it, and he defeated death, and he defeated sin, bringing us a new life with a relationship with God. It's the gospel. It's the best news that ever was. And until you understand this, like, until you understand this, there's nothing else to learn. This is the basis for everything that matters. And we, we will never outgrow it. That's why I said, kind of jokingly, we will end up talking about this every single 402 because we never outgrow it. And if you're here tonight and you just nonchalantly look at this, guys, I just ask you to take a deeper look because the impact of this moment in history will ripple throughout eternity. Like this is, we read this, and when I think of sacred, this is sacred. This is important. And guys, if, if you're here tonight and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, or maybe you would, but you just don't feel like you've follow, been following Christ for a really long time, um, guys, I just want you to know that, we're, and we're going to talk about this next week, but Jesus is alive. Like we don't worship a dead historical figure. We worship a living and present God who wants to have a relationship with us. And we can talk directly to God. That's what we call prayer. Jesus, that's one of the things that Jesus did on the cross is he, he made a way for us to talk directly to God. We don't have to talk to a priest. We don't have to sacrifice anything. We get to talk directly to God because Jesus is alive. And guys, I don't know how many times I, I could stand up here for hours. I just don't want you to brush this off, because this is really, really important. Um, and so I hope tonight that, for one, that you'd, you'd cling to God's promises, um, but also that you'd cling to this truth and that you'd be willing to let old things die so that new things can come. I'm gonna pray for us, um, and then we'll worship a little bit more. God, I just thank you for your goodness to us, that you are a God that keeps your word. You are a God um, that is both just and merciful and that you don't let just sin get away with sin, uh, but you also didn't let us just get away and stay in our death. God, I thank you for sending your son and this perfect plan to save us. I thank you for the life that he lived and the death that he died. Um, and God, I'm thankful that you raised him from the dead three days later. God, I'm thankful that we get to spend Thursday nights together. And I just pray that we would 
always be about you, um, that we would always worship you, and that would be what we have in common. And God, I just pray that our campus would learn um, that same truth. In Jesus' name, amen. As the band comes up here, I know you're like, please get away. Okay, probably not. I know y'all love me. Uh, I want to read one chapter, and then I'm done, I swear. Isaiah 53 was written 700 plus years before Jesus. And this is one of the most beautiful pictures of the chapter we just read in John. But it says, Who has believed? What has he heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. He had no former majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and by his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we've turned, every single one of us, to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth, like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that is born before its shears is silent, so not he opened his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off from the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people? And they made his grave with the wicked, and with a rich man his death. Although he had done no violence, there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He had put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. And he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Guys, 700 years, God was weaving out this perfect plan for Jesus to come, for him to be beaten for our transgressions, pierced for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. God, that's a God who keeps his promises. Thank you for listening to the Tarleton BSM podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to subscribe. To keep up with everything Tarleton BSM, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Tarleton BSM. See you next time.